0: This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com. A quick announcement before we get to today's show. I am thrilled to announce that Proteinaholic the Book, the book that Garth Davis and I wrote together, has been turned into Proteinaholic the Audiobook. You can find it on Audible and Amazon, etc. And This must mean, of course, that Proteinaholic the movie and Proteinaholic the video game and Proteinaholic the theme park can't be far behind. And I personally can't wait to experience Gastric Bypass the roller coaster. In all seriousness, the reader, Corey Snow, does an amazing job. He really channels Dr. Garth's passion and outrage and humor with his voice. Get it. It's it's really, really good. And you know how... um, People don't like to read, but they're okay listening. So if you recommend it or gift the audiobook, we can help spread the message a lot further. Also, Proteinaholic The Book First Edition, which lacked an index, has been replaced on store shelves with Proteinaholic The Book Second Edition, which sports an index. And its younger sibling, Proteinaholic The Paperback, has just been released. Oh, happy day. Now this uh, gets to stay on the bookshelves forever. You can check all those out on Amazon or your local bookstore. So today's show. When he was 18 years old, high school athlete Jim Gray knew that he had been dealt the same lousy health hand that the rest of his family had, meaning high blood pressure and a propensity for cardiovascular disease. His father had had a bunch of heart attacks. As they grew up, his siblings had heart attacks. You know, it's just the hand he was dealt. And even at the age of 18, in good shape, a high school athlete, muscular and lean, you know, six feet tall, less than 200 pounds. You know, you got to figure, oh, well, that's that's just what I got. And because of that, because because of that fatalism, he never it never occurred to him or his doctors, more to the point, to do anything about it. And so his health continued to deteriorate, even, even as he stayed active. It wasn't like he had some desk job. He was a firefighter, It's like uh, Rip Esselstyn and the Engine 2 team foreshadowing there. So he was on one prescription med for uh, hypertension, then it went up to two, to three, and finally he needed four meds a day just to control his galloping hypertension. Then, of course, you have to add the obligatory statins to control high cholesterol, and eventually Jim started getting migraines, getting worse and worse, until they were debilitating. They would last for basically three days, keep him out of commission. They'd recur at first twice a year, and then they increased the frequency until he was laid up like every 10 days. And that was the final straw, the impetus for Jim to try something, anything, to relieve that pain and disability, because he was on a whole host of drugs for the migraines, and none of them So in our interview, we cover his early health history, and remember I said uh, he was a firefighter, the book and the program that turned him around, and what he's doing with all his health and energy now. So without further ado, Jim Gray, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, honored to, to be on your show.
0: Yeah. So, um, you, you've got a lot in common with, uh, with Rip Esselstyn, I guess you're a firefighter, um, and you're, you're running, um, marathons and ultras right now. Um, but you, you weren't always like totally into health and fitness, right?
1: Right. I mean, um, like I, uh, I used to play, I played football in high school and, uh, when I went to get, uh, physical for college, um, found out that I had high blood pressure. Uh, so 18 years old and I was, I was put on medication for high blood pressure. And, um, I I mean, I was kind of always in in what, what people would think, uh, in shape and healthy. I was never, you know, Really big, really heavy, or anything. Um, but like you said, since the time I was 18, uh, I had high blood pressure, and uh, that gradually progressed. You know, initially I was on like one medication a day, um, and through the years that progressed, got worse and worse and worse. To a point where, when I was 38 years old, I was taking four medications a day just for the high blood pressure.
0: Just, um, just, wow, and 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 yeah. were you at that point? Were you also taking meds for other things? Right. Yeah, I also um, had
1: high cholesterol, and I also had uh, migraines. And the migraines were something that had kind of progressed too. You know, initially, I, you know, I had one here and there occasionally, a couple times a year, maybe. Um, but they got to the point where I was having about three migraines a month, uh, sometimes four, and the migraines would last three days every time, every time I had them, they would last three days. And I would take medication, you know, and I I even progressed up the the, the scale on the the pain medications, you know, started with ibuprofen and got up to some pretty strong stuff and, and nothing ever got rid of them. And it got to the point where I, I mean, I had always kind of stayed in shape, you know, right around, I'm, I'm six foot tall. I've always been like under 200 pounds. Um, like I said, outward appearance, you would think I was completely healthy. Um, but because of the fact that I was having these migraines, I got to the point where I wasn't working out. I was laying around the house, you know, and my weight got up to to 220 pounds, which you know, for a lot of people, that might not sound like a lot. But for me, I mean, that was it was it was, it was pretty, pretty high. And I was just feeling awful.
0: Yeah. Now you at age 18 to have high blood pressure. Um, so that's you know, there's a lot of people who can eat the standard American diet and get away with it for a lot longer than you did. You, you were sort right. of like a, a canary in the coal mine. Right. So yeah. you, you have you have a whole bunch of, I guess, you know, genetic predispositions. To be really, really sensitive to the effects of that diet,
1: right? Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of five kids, and uh, I think at this point, pretty much everybody has had high blood pressure in the family. Um, they didn't I'll get it as early as I did, for whatever reason. Uh, my dad had, I think he had four heart attacks um, before he, he he finally died um, at the age of seventy-four. So I mean, it's a it's a big family history about the, the heart problems mm-hmm.
0: tell me tell me what your diet was like when you were in high school um you know
1: i mean back then it was pretty much whatever whatever mom cooked obviously um but it was i would i would say it was a pretty typical standard american diet you know burgers and fries and you know stuff like that uh, you know, back then. So, but but I was in decent shape because like you said, I was playing high school football. I was planning on going to college and play football, you know, so I was working out a lot and, um, you know, getting ready for college basically.
0: Yeah. So, so to be diagnosed that early, did, did you like, what, what lessons did you take away from that? Were you like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just cursed with this metabolism or bad luck, or there's something I could do about it or, like what, what, what was your self-story? Well, I I
1: mean, I just kind of assumed, um, along with what pretty much all the doctors told me, um, that this is just, it's just what you've been given. You know, you're going to have high blood pressure. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. What we can do now is try to give you medications and, and try to control it. And really, even on medications, even though I got up to like four a day, um, and, and I wasn't unhealthy. You know, I worked out. I ate. As I got older, you know, I tried to eat the chicken breasts and, and salad and, and lean meats and stuff like that to try to, uh, you know, curb everything. Um, but nothing really ever seemed to work. And even on up to four medications a day, my pressure was always right around 140 over 90 uh, for my blood pressure, which isn't a healthy blood pressure. Um, but I mean, as far as lessons, it's, you know, it, it was just something I assumed that I would always have. And if it wasn't for the migraines that I was getting, I'd probably still have it. Cause I probably wouldn't have changed a lot.
0: Okay. So, um, you, you, you became, you're a firefighter, right? Right. So you've, have you always had sort of an active lifestyle?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I've always been, uh, you know, pretty active. I've I've been a firefighter for almost 20 years now. Um, that was, you know, right right out of uh, high school. I went to junior college for a couple of years um, and and uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then uh, a couple of years into it, decided I wanted to go into the paramedic and firefighter aspect of it. And uh, so. I've been been you know on that track for like I said almost 20 years now I've been a full-time firefighter and um so yeah I mean we're active we've had we had well, my wife and I are both firefighters so you know we're we're active and uh we have a couple kids who are 14 and 15 years old now uh, so they've kept us active um chasing them around um so so yeah pretty pretty active
0: yeah cuz it seems it seems like there's a, a a real disconnect between like, you know, from being a football player, an athlete, uh, a firefighter, like you didn't want to go for a desk job. Like there's, there's something about you that, that really values what your body can do. It's, you know, stamina, strength, you know, very kinesthetic. And at the same time, it's, it's being compromised in ways that you don't, you know, you have no idea why, but just like, it must've felt at some points like kind of a cruel joke, like all these, People you knew who maybe became insurance salesmen or middle managers are are like they're healthier than you are.
1: No, oh, yeah, that's. I mean, that was something. You know, initially, you know, the, the high blood pressure. You know, when I initially got diagnosed when I was eighteen, I figured, you know, what I can. It's something I can get over. You know, I, you know, I was young and everything, and I thought, yeah, I can just. I can take these meds for a couple of years and, and, you know, I'll probably be, be done taking them. Um, but, you know, 10, 15 years into taking them, it, it was just, you know, it like you said, it was a cruel joke. It's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm in decent shape. You know, I don't look unhealthy. Uh, you know, you look around, you see a lot of people that, that look unhealthy, but they don't have the same internal problems that, that you have, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it, it was a struggle, you know, and, and I tried to stay in shape. I never really, uh, I mean, I would do some cardio, you know, or run on a treadmill for, for a mile or two, you know, and lift some weights and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, nothing like what I'm doing now. Um, but I don't think I could have done what I'm doing now, uh, prior to changing everything.
0: All right. So, so you're, you're on a whole bunch of meds. Your migraines are getting worse and worse. I'm assuming that the, the strong stuff that they're prescribing isn't really working and it's probably knocking you for a loop. So what right. when you decided enough is enough, what did you what did you start looking for?
1: Well so the the blood pressure was something I figured I would just have. You know. Uh the cholesterol same thing. I figured, you know what, I'll just keep taking the statins, take these medications. Um it's just what I have, it's the hand I'm dealt, so I'm going to deal with it. You know, all the doctors have, have all said all along, you know, this is just what you have. There's nothing we can do to change it, you know, just trying to, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, and just make sure you take the medicines. Um, and, and every might, and
0: every every doctor told you that, that, that there's just nothing you yeah, can do about
1: it? Yeah, and I mean, I've been to several doctors, obviously, you know, over, over the course of 20 years, you know, uh doctors leave doctors move use insurance changes you know you go to different doctors and i've been to several different doctors and every one of them hey you know what this is just your family history this is this is is what you have you know um never once did i have somebody say hey try this diet try this you know to, to see you know diet or diet could maybe control something and um it, it just got to a point with the migraines where I had to do something because, I mean, I was really just at the end of my rope with these things. It was just it – was, it was awful. And so we looked around for different diets to just try to control the, the migraines to where I wasn't getting them as much. And – Initially, uh, for a few months, I had tried uh, just, like, eliminating, like, the nitrates and the MSGs and stuff like that because that is kind of a common thing that that I saw that um, could help migraines. And I did that for, like, four or five months. I lost a little bit of weight, uh, maybe 10 pounds or so doing that, um, but the migraines were still there. And at that point, I was also taking – it was an anti-seizure medicine um that i was taking that they said was, had shown to uh get rid of migraines or at least control them but it, it didn't do anything for me i was still getting them constantly uh, and my wife i mean obviously she knew what kind of shape i was in you know i was in a bad place really and she saw this engine 2 diet and initially my reaction was like oh there's no way i can do that you know i I like meat just as, as much as everybody else. You know, I like bacon, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And so, like I said, initially my thought was there's there's no way I could, could do this plant-based diet. And, it, you know, I, I would think most listeners to your, your podcast know what the Engine 2 diet is. But if they don't, it's plant-based, no added oils. Um, you know, and it's, like you said, it's, it's from Rip Esselstyn. Um, and... He's a firefighter, so it kind of spoke to us. So um, he had a 28-day challenge in his book. I thought, you know what? For 28 days, I can I can do anything for 28 days. So let's give it a shot, you know. I, and initially, I thought, all right, I'll do this for 28 days. It'll be over. I'll probably go back to what I'm doing, and and everything will stay the same. Um, but in that first 28 days, I had zero migraines. So. I was pretty much sold right then, you know, because the previous month I probably had you know at least ten days worth of migraines, and I went from that to absolutely none in the first twenty-eight days.
0: Uh huh. And so is that like it sounds like you you approached it kind of with a not a failure mentality, but like a you left a really big back door for yourself. And then all, you, kind of, you got kind of really surprised yourself with not having migraines. At that point where you're like, well, let me figure out like the one or two things so that I can go back to eating all the bacon and the meat and figure out like what part of this worked or, or, or were, were you ready to embrace the whole thing?
1: Uh, kind of a little of both. Because, um, you know, I, obviously I wanted to know what this trigger is. You know, what what is it that's calling, causing these migraines so I can fix it, you know? Um, and I'm sure still in the back of my mind a little bit, there was always like, hey, I can go back to eating meat eat if I can just figure out what this trigger is. Uh, but the thing was in that first 28 days, having one, obviously that I was thrilled um but also there was a big variety in the menu that we were eating. you know, you kind of get stuck in the same old you know chicken, broccoli, rice kind of thing, you know it's as we're eating meat, you know, or whatever, but but you'd eat kind of the same things over and over and over. That first 28 days, everything was new, and it was a big variety, so I was kind of looking forward to a lot more of these plant-based recipes, you know, and um, finding out what else we could
0: eat. Uh So, I mean, kind of a little bit of both, really. Okay. So I've never had a migraine, so can you describe to me, like, you know, when you just say three days of migraine, like, I don't really, I think I can empathize, but I'm sure I can't. Right. Like what, what, what was that like that we, you know, so for to suddenly go 28 days without, without an incident, like what, what was the before and after?
1: Well, so if you can picture basically the worst headache you've ever had and multiply that by about five or 10, that's what the migraine will be. And, you know, it feels good to sit in a dark room and not talk to anybody and not, you know, look at anything. Um, and I mean, I called off of work several times, you know, that, that year before, I probably called off of work 10 times during the year just because I couldn't get out of bed to to go into work. Um, and like I said before, you know, when, when you deal with that 10 days out of the, out of the month, pretty much you get lazy, you lay around, um, and you just don't want to do anything for fear that doing something is going to start up another one or, you know, you're, you're going to have it. So the fact that I could go from really a bottom point, I mean, the, the it was just, like I said, I was at the end of my rope ready to do something drastic and to go an entire month without having to feel that it was like the weight of the world lifted off me. Um, And, you know, obviously I was hoping that the diet had something to do with it and I could continue doing that and they would stay away. Uh And for the most part, they have. I mean, it's been two and a half years now since we started, and I've had a couple of migraines in that time, but nothing like what I dealt with before.
0: Uh So um so what happened for the second 28 days you're like okay well this is good this is going to work did you stick with it did you did you just repeat the the rotation like it sounded it sounded like variety was very important to you at that time so what how did you continue
1: Well there was a lot of the recipes that we really liked um so we repeated a lot of those and we were also trying to find um like some recipes that the kids would really like um so that we could get them on board with it as well. Um, And so a a lot of the stuff was was engine 2 diet stuff that we would do again for that next month. Uh, My wife also looks at Pinterest a lot and found a lot of recipes on on Pinterest that were just plant-based ideas. And uh, once once we started getting through that, um, that was kind of a point where we – that second month we really started to uh, really fall in love with it and really wanted to get the kids doing it. Cause initially what we did with the kids was like, um, if, if we were making something for dinner, we would still make them say a chicken breast, but then whatever we made for dinner, we would make as a side dish for them. Uh-huh. Um, but they started liking everything too. And we got to a point where we just wanted to eliminate all the meat dairy products from their diet as well. Cause we really started to, uh, you know, like the idea of it. And, you know, through month two, I still didn't have a migraine. I was starting to have so much energy, um, starting to work out a little bit
0: and, um, you know, go from there. So your kids were, were like 12, 13 at the time? Yeah, yeah, because my daughter will be 16
1: in a, in a couple of months. Um, so, yeah, they were, yeah, 12, 12 and 13.
0: What Did you get a lot of resistance from them? At the beginning, uh,
1: you know what the hardest the hardest part was getting the milk out of the house. Um, the like the chicken, the steak, that kind of stuff. Um, that wasn't as hard as the milk for for whatever reason. My son really, I mean, he always had cereal and he would he would drink a lot of milk, and um, he was resistant to like the almond milk and the the stuff like that um but it came to a point eventually where we just decided that you know what this is what we're doing um and then just just got the milk out of the house and got the almond milk and he just he started drinking it you know because that's what was there and using it for cereal and stuff because because that was all that was in the house and at this point they're you know, they're pretty much fully on board with it. Now they'll, they'll have something occasionally if they're at a party or at a friend's house or something like that. But uh, for the most part, they're, they're pretty much fully on board too.
0: Uh huh. And, and do they understand that they're they're heirs to the same genes? That
1: uh... yeah, and I mean, and they saw they saw where I, what I was going through. Even though they were only twelve or thirteen, you know, they they can see a difference between dad then and now. You know, so they they understand it and my daughter my daughter's really gotten on board with the uh the the ethical aspect of it as well um you know something that it's really opened all of our eyes to the ethical aspect of it doing it for a couple of years
0: how did, how did that come about because it's it sounds like that wasn't at all part of your agenda when you started what was your what was your experience of of just becoming aware was it just like when they were talking at engine 2 that that would come up a lot or like how how did that bubble up to your consciousness?
1: Well, like yeah, like I said, initially it was all um, doing it for health. You know, we just I, I was trying to figure out something that would work, and for for the health aspect of it, and and that that worked. And then obviously, you know, going through the couple of years, learning that we really don't need the animal products in our body. Um, you start seeing the, the factory farming, and you see that aspect of it as something that we don't necessarily need in this country, um, because we can sustain very a very healthy diet without the animal products. And then there's the movies, you know, the the documentaries, um, you know, that that we've seen, the Forks Over Knives, and, and um, Earthlings, and, and you know, all those. Those documentaries that we've watched that that show all the, you know, how bad the the factory farming can be.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because, you know, it's it's almost like, rather than going looking for that stuff, it's simply eliminating all the animal foods from your diet. Sounds like it just it just removed any obstacle to seeing what was already there.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, pretty much when you're eating it and you assume that's what you need to eat you just you don't even think about that aspect of it you don't think about where the food came from you just want it on your plate basically you know and you just you start to think about it more and more um when
0: when you're not eating that way yeah so um when when did you start changing your uh your your movement lifestyles so, you know now now you're well tell us what. where, where are you now what, what sort of uh you know running or activities do you do
1: well i started uh a, a couple months after we started the plant-based diet. we started in january of 2014 um i believe it was march april somewhere around that time frame um there was the lottery for the chicago marathon and up to that point i hadn't been a runner. Um, I had always thought people that run marathons are crazy, but it's not something I would ever think about doing. Um, but I was feeling good, you know? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for this lottery for Chicago. If I get in, I'll find a training plan and I'll go do Chicago. If I don't get in, you know what? That's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. And I'll just, you know, I'll start working out a little bit, lifting some weights, doing that kind of stuff. Um, but, running wasn't really on, on the plan. Um, up until that point, I had, you know, I'd run, like I said earlier, maybe a mile, two miles on a treadmill here and there just to, to kind of stay active. Um, but I got picked for the lottery for Chicago. So I started, uh, the Hanson plan, which is like an 18 week, uh, training plan to, to run marathon. And by just starting that training plan to, to do Chicago marathon, I, I got hooked on running and uh so i ran that um first marathon in october of 2014 and uh since then i've done four other marathons i've done five ultra marathons and i just I'm hooked on it
0: how how long did it take you to get was it like right away like oh this is great or did you have to go through a uh a period well, of adjustment
1: yeah there was definitely a period of adjustment i mean uh I didn't like running right off the bat, you know, and the, the good thing about that is that, that Hanson uh, training plan that, that I started. Um, it was a beginner plan. So initially you'd run, you know, a mile, two miles, three miles, you know, and it just kind of gradually progressed. And even throughout the whole training plan for Chicago, which was at least I think it was 18 weeks, I, I still at that point, I don't even think I was hooked on the running at, at that point, but it was once I ran Chicago Marathon and got through it and finished it, you know, just a feeling you get when you're done with it. Um, I just it, I just wanted, to, as soon as I was done, well, as soon as I was done, I thought I'd never do this again. But the next day, I'm like, man, I can't wait to do another one. Huh. Um, so so then, you know, just started back up.
0: So what what is it about running that uh, that appeals to you now? Because I'm asking because I've I've been running seriously training for an ultra since sort of mid, late mid May, and I still don't like running. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, see, and for me that's one of the things I do too. Is I I'll run with my wife, but other than that, I pretty much run by myself. Um, occasionally, I run with somebody, but I just like being out with my own thoughts. Um, you know, for an hour, two hours at a time, three hours at a time, whatever it takes, just being out there alone and, you know, thinking about things and just being by myself and, and knowing that I can do what I'm doing, you know, enjoying my body and what it can do. And knowing that two years ago, I was in the dumps, you know, and, and now here I am, I can, I can pretty much run all day and uh you know so it's just
0: it's just a little bit of everything really. Hmm. So um you ran your first marathon little uh I guess almost two and a half years ago.
1: Right. Yeah, it was October of 2014. 2014.
0: So. Oh, so less than yeah. less than two yeah, years so, ago. Yeah, it's less than two years. So, can I ask what your time was? Uh, the first one was four hours
1: and thirty-two minutes. Uh huh. Right on. Um, and that one, I uh, I learned a lot by running that first one because you know you get into the whole uh, the race. There's a lot of adrenaline flowing. If you've never been um the Chicago Marathon, there's probably millions of people watching the race. you got people cheering for you the entire race. So I'm sure I started way faster than I should have. <laughs> and around mile 18 or so, uh, I hit that dreaded wall that everybody talks about. And uh, so the last, you know, six, six or eight miles were... A lot slower than the the first, um, you know, miles. But you know, I got through it, um, uh-huh. and so you know, I learned with the other ones to, you know, cut the pace back a little bit and take my time and try to enjoy it.
0: Uh huh. At so, at some point, do you did you like feel a a competitive spirit enter? Uh-huh. Like I want like I want to improve my time. Like it, it suddenly it became you know a goal unto itself.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super competitive, uh, in in, in most things that I do, um, and so yeah, that's a goal of mine now is to try to get that that time under four hours, which I've, I haven't got there yet. Um, so that's something that that I've been working on, is trying to, uh, you know, get get faster um but you know some of the ultra marathon training is a little bit different i i take it a little differently i guess than than the marathon training so not as much speed work and stuff like that 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 i do when i'm you know training for a specific marathon so uh, some i i've i've sped up but i haven't got to where i want to be yet Uh
0: uh-huh but i'll get there gotcha so how, how do you decide like what, when to, what to run next or when or where, like, how do you, how do you plan your, your, your growth and progress and schedule?
1: Well, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, local races around, you know, in, in our area. Um, but what I've also looked for is like longer and longer races. So, you know, I did a 50 K and then I did a 34-mile race. Um, then I did a 50-mile race. And then I wanted to do 100K. Um, so I've looked, you know, within a couple-state area of where I am to to try to do longer and longer races. Um, and then in June, I did the 100K at uh, Kettle Moraine, Wisconsin. And uh, so that's, that's my farthest one to date. And... Um, in the fall here in September, I'm going to be doing the, the Barkley fall classic, um, because I just really wanted a, a hard challenge. And, uh, that course is, they say it's a 50 K, um, but there's just insane up and down. And, and Wait, is that, like is that,
0: the, is that the same as the Barkley marathons? It's, it's
1: put on, um, by the same guy. And <laughs> it's, it's basically a small taste of the Barkley marathons, but yeah, it's, it's the same area. So, the, for, uh, State Park. so
0: for people who don't know about the Barkley Marathons, could you talk a little about it? Cause it, I, I, it's like the most crazy hilarious thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Barkley, well, the, 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 the Barkley Marathons is insane. And there's a, uh, a documentary on that. Um, if, if, if people haven't uh, watched it and are interested in, in races, it's, it's a, it's a good one to watch, but, that race is 130 miles, I think, um, in Tennessee and the, 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 course isn't really marked out well and it's not really run on trails. And I think the entry fee for it is only a dollar and you have to bring a license plate, um, for that. And over the course of, of the time I hardly anybody has ever finished it. Um, it's, it's just an absolute insane race. Uh, this this one that I'm doing, is just a, a small, small taste of that. Um, I think most people actually maybe not finish the entire 50K uh, of the Barkley Fall Classic, but there's like a, a drop-down that you can, if you take nine and a half hours, I believe it is, to get to like a 21-mile mark, you can decide uh, to just stop there and they give you like a marathon finish um and then you get four more hours i believe it is to to go the entire 50k if you decide that that you want to um for this part fall classic so uh, i don't i know i'm not ready for that Barkley marathon yet um but this one i think is going to be a lot of fun
0: uh-huh. now do you i know the Barkley is like really hard to get in and you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone, you have to fill out this really esoteric application form. Was it the same for the the fall classic?
1: No, for the fall classic, it wasn't. It was just a, a sign up. There was actually a long wait list and apparently, um, you know, they, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but something like they, they allow say 400 people to get into the race. But half of the people, Drop out uh, of the race before it even starts, and then another half of those don't even show up to the race. <laughs> so they say if you if you show up to the Berkeley Fall Classic, you're better than 75 percent of the people who even signed up for it. <laughs> um, so so I think people get scared of of, of this one. the 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 the, the Barkley Marathons. Yeah, there's like you said, there's you you have to know somebody to even get into it because. Yeah, they they don't put it out there how to get in, and I've actually emailed some of the people that have been in uh previous races, and and nobody's ever returned an email. So uh, it's probably not one that I'll ever get into. <laughs> wow,
0: well, I'm very I'm very impressed. Just uh just being in the same race with that guy. What's his name? Steve is the.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Steve,
0: uh, I can't believe
1: his last right now. Lazarus Lake. You think he goes by.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. yeah. So how has, how, how is your, you know, first, first your diet and then the exercise is that rippled out into you know, past your family into community, like what's, what, how, how has it affected other people besides yourself?
1: Well, first of all, with the change of diet and exercise, I don't take any medicines anymore, um, which is just amazing. And like I said, I've maybe had a couple of migraines in, in, in the last couple of years. So um, that right there, it, it sells the diet itself. Um,
0: and, how, and how long I, did it take you to get off of the meds? And, and, and were your doctors willing to do it? Or did you take matters into your own hands or find a different doctor?
1: Uh, well, so... What I did initially when I very first started the plant-based diet, I took myself off the cholesterol medicine, which I know I shouldn't do, but it was an experiment that I wanted to try, you know, and I knew I could, you know, for a couple months I'd I'd be all right, and I knew that I was going to be taking blood work within a few months after, you know, starting it. So I took myself off the cholesterol medicine um, initially, And about two months after we started the diet, I went and got all my blood work done. And the cholesterol was 140, which always in the past had been hovered. Before taking medicine, um, my cholesterol always hovered right around 200. So that right there, um, the doctor saw that and I told him I had stopped taking it at that point. Um he's like, Well then just keep doing what you're doing. Um my blood pressure within that first couple of months had started coming down um to the point where he took me off of um so I was taking three medicines, one of them I was taking twice a day. He took me off of the two, so I was just taking one twice a day at that point, within a, you know, that was probably within like two months of, of starting everything. Um, and he just wanted he he was afraid to take me off all of it at once, basically uh-huh um so for another month or so i was taking those two a day and my pressure you know because i'm a paramedic and a firefighter i can check it while i'm at work it was staying low you know i was i was getting pressures you know 100 over 60 you know really really low pressures so i called him up and said hey i'm gonna stop taking these medicines we're gonna just keep an eye on it and and see what it does and um so at that point he's like, well, yeah, let's let's try that because he he trusted that I would you know keep an eye on it, and it never came back up. It stayed down. So, you know, I I hover around one one ten over one seventy, which is a really good pressure, and it's it's stayed that way ever since we got off of it. So I would say within about three months of starting the diet, all my medicines were gone.
0: Wow. and and were your doctors at all interested in? Like finding out more so they could change the way they practiced. Um, not
1: yes and no. Um, my doctor had, had he was he was pretty overweight at one point too, and he he went to, uh, you know, kind of a not a, I wouldn't say a standard American diet, but he was eating like really lean meats and and big portions of vegetable. But the the doctor that I was with at that point he just couldn't get over the whole protein aspect of it. And, you know, he kept saying, well, where are you getting your protein? I need, you know, I need to get my protein and this and that. So, um, he lost a lot of weight too. Um, and he was obviously amazed at the 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 turnaround that, that I made. Um, but he was never really keen on the whole, you know, the vegan plant-based diet. Um, so I have a different doctor now. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, um, okay, and yeah, so it's hard. It's been hard. We've actually looked trying to find plant-based doctors and you would think living right outside of Chicago would be easy to find. Um, but there's, there's not a lot of them out there yet. I, I think it's gradually
0: changing, but as of this point, it's still, um, still hard to find. Mm. All right, so um, so you've had you've had sort of li- limited impact on your doctors. What about right. uh, you know I don't know siblings or other you know family members community, like how how is this uh, how, how how is the seed that you are spread you know sort of pollinated and pollinated by the wind?
1: Well, and so I you know I'm a firefighter, and we all eat together um, like we've in the, we've always ate together and that was one thing that I had to do initially was just decide hey, I'm not eating with the other guys Let me get on my own um, but as they've seen changes you know obviously more and more guys have been um, interested in it you know to see what's and I'll cook meals for guys occasionally here and there um, it hasn't got to the point where I do it every shift yet uh but we i cook meals for the guys at work a lot and everybody always likes everything we make um one of the guys who is actually a competitive power lifter has decided to go vegan um and he's been doing it for a few months now and uh, hasn't lost any strength or anything he's he's uh, lost a little bit of weight so he's doing good um and you know, same thing with my wife, she's also a firefighter, so you know, I work she cooks stuff for people occasionally here and there. Um, and then, you know, I got a uh an Instagram account that I share stuff with people and I've I've talked to some people on there and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, so I've tried to spread it out there. Uh the family mostly thinks I'm crazy still. Uh especially with the running. Uh well everybody thinks I'm crazy with the running. Um so But we've we've tried every—I every. haven't pushed the diet on people, but anybody that's ever asked questions about it, uh, you know, I'm I'm always willing to to talk and share about it because it's just—it's completely changed my life.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so you say your other family members think you're crazy? Yeah, pretty much. We did have
1: a a Christmas dinner at our house last year, and everything we made was plant-based. We didn't tell anybody before they came over. We just— you know, was at our house, so we were cooking. Um, so we made everything, and everybody loved everything that we had. Um, so, so that worked out real good. Um, but, but yeah, my sister has, has been running some marathons. Um, she's uh, like a back of the pack pacer, I guess is what you call her. Uh-huh. But, uh, so she she basically gets into the races to be at the end of it. Um, but she's still out there doing it. So, so that's good. Um, as far as the diet, though, it's been it's been it's been a hard sell for for the family. Even though, uh, obviously, I know it would help them because they got all the same genes I do.
0: Uh huh. Is it is it hard for you to uh, keep your mouth shut? Yeah, it's, it definitely is.
1: Uh, You know, because, you know, especially when they're complaining about this hurts or this hurts or, you know, they're feeling bad or their pressure is this or this. It's like I have the I have the solution for it. It's right here in front of you. It's pretty it's it's really simple to do. I thought it would be hard, but it's it's not. It's not hard at all. Once you decide you want to do it, it's it's pretty easy. Um, but, But
0: yeah, this for whatever reason, can't get them on board yet. Huh, are you gonna send them this interview? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, for
1: sure, they're gonna to listen to it. And uh, I did one other uh, podcast with Dr. Jamie Delaney uh-huh. um, out of Florida, she's a plant based cardiologist. I did that, and of course, I shared that with everybody. Um, so, so yeah, they're gonna hear it.
0: Huh, all right, and what and uh, what's your uh, What's your so your next race is gonna be the, the, the Barkley Fall Classic. Right. So it's just the Barkley the Barclay Fall
1: Classics in September. Um and then in October I'll be doing Chicago Marathon again. This will be my third year doing that.
0: Gotcha. Um, you, you aiming I, you aiming for a sub four? Um possibly. I'm hoping. Uh huh. My, my best
1: my best so far is four twelve. So I've I've gotten faster, um, but um I'm hoping hoping for it. Um, but uh, three weeks after doing the Barkley, we'll see how the body goes.
0: Uh-huh, sure.
1: That's going to be a tough race. Um,
0: gotcha.
1: and then in, uh, November or it's end in October, beginning of November, I got, a, uh, another 34 mile race. And then, um, I'm hoping to do a 50 miler in December. I just got to find one that I want to do. And then hopefully next year I'm doing a hundred miler. Hopefully that's, that's the goal.
0: Hundred mile. you 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 say that much more calmly than I would. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, believe me, a couple of years ago, I thought a marathon was insane, and now, yeah, you just I'm looking to go further and further and further. I really like the ultra stuff, you know the. Uh, that that hundred K I did at Kettle Moraine, I really love that. Um the fifty miler I did in Indiana last December. I I, I love that one. And I just I, I like the whole community with the Ultra running and and uh, the aspect of just kind of being out there all day. You know, you know you're gonna be out there all day and it's just I I really like it.
0: Uh-huh. So one I'm just curious about one thing before we say, say goodbye. I haven't heard anything from you about like personal difficulty sticking to the diet like i hear from a lot of people you know cravings and you mentioned earlier that you didn't want to give it up because you know you didn't want to give up bacon did that occur did you have that or or was it just like made a decision and it was kind of easy i
1: i really initially i thought it was going to be hard um but because of how i feel now compared to how i felt before i don't i don't want any of that stuff, you know. The the worst thing that I have now is, you know, I have some candy here and there, you know, for whatever reason. I get a little sweet tooth and I want some candy um, or maybe like some potato chips occasionally here and there. Um, but that's that's really the worst of what I, what I have now. I just, I've lost all cravings for, for any of that stuff. Now, you know, stuff still smells good. You know, if I'm at the firehouse and guys are cooking bacon, it, it still smells good to me, uh-huh. but I don't want to eat it. You know, um, the the hardest part about not not sticking to it, but the hardest part is just having to answer the same old question every day: Where do you get your protein? You know, and 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 that's just it. Kind of gets old hearing that day in and day out all the time. Uh But but other than that, no, I really have had no no issues. I've I've enjoyed every minute of it.
0: Wow, that's great. Because one one of the things I found is that for a lot of people a lot of the the struggles over willpower start to diminish once they take up athletics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I eat a lot more. There's, there's no doubt, you know, um, but what I'm eating is, is good. It's good for me. I mean, if I sit down to have a salad now, it's, it's a giant salad bowl. You know, I don't just have a little salad. Um, so yeah, there's, I eat a lot, but I don't, get the cravings for any of the previous, you know, stuff that we had. And there's a lot of, you know, you can substitute things to, you know, I mean, like meatloaf. I can make meatloaf now. I can make burgers now. I can make all that kind of stuff. You know, you just, you find a way.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And it sounds like you still enjoy food. Like, you haven't said, like, food is no longer an important part of my life, right?
1: Oh, yeah. No. I mean, we still... Still enjoy food whenever we go out, um, you know, on vacation or things like that. We'll look for vegan restaurants, um, you know. And it's, it's fun trying new restaurants and, and trying to find different ways, uh, you know, that people make things like burgers and stuff like that. So, yeah, and we're still always looking at recipes and, and going on Pinterest and, and looking at different cookbooks and everything and uh, just experimenting, trying to find ways to make stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we still still enjoy food.
0: Excellent. And uh, have, you, have you connected with Rip Esselstyn? Tell them your story?
1: Uh, yeah, I was actually um, – I haven't a- actually ever talked to Rip. I'd love to one day. Um, I've sent a couple emails, and uh, they actually did a little, uh, you know, a short little couple paragraph uh, thing about my story um, on the Engine the 2 Diet website. Uh, about a year ago, um, but I've never actually talked to Rip himself. Uh, I'd like to go to the, like you said you're going to that plant stock. I'd love to go to something like that one year. Um, just haven't hasn't been in the works yet for us.
0: Gotcha. Well, maybe maybe you're you're you'll come up with the next uh, documentary and diet book. Whatever. What's what's the name of hey. your of your firehouse?
1: Oh, uh, well, I'm in uh, Bowling Brook uh, in Illinois. So, we'll, <laughs> uh-huh. we'll
0: so make they... something up. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, because that uh, that's you know it's great that you had such a connection with 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 the RIP as a firefighter and and seeing that and and having it you know it's like one of those plants with suckers where the the, the next plant just sort of comes up and and it can, yeah, and just, just keeps it going yeah, yeah exactly so like, you know really 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 positive uh, Bermuda grass <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So awesome. So Jim Gray, thanks so much for, for sharing your your story, the the ups and the downs and and just you know, it's to me it's it's so remarkable that the truth is so obvious and yet, you know, you mentioned your doctors still are having a hard time seeing it. So I'm hoping, you know, if we, we can't get this done through medical education, we can go you know peer, peer to peer and and spread the word and you're a, a fantastic example of of the power of just adopting natural movement and natural eating so uh again congratulations good good luck in uh barclay and be well
1: yeah I and mean, uh thanks for thanks for having me on like you said best way we can do is just be an example and uh get the message out there any way we can and uh doing shows like this is, is, is a great way to do it and uh, I really appreciate you having me on
0: right on want to say, want to say hi to your family <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll say hi for them and uh, uh, yeah next time we talk we'll have to get together sometime and go for a run
0: that sounds great maybe I'll like it by then
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> if not we can go for a nice little
0: run and, and, and talk that sounds good alright take care Jim thanks Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes with some links at plantyourself.com slash 169. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 168 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the weekly email newsletter, why not? Some fun stuff in there. Thanks to Plant Yourself Podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow. Hey, Dominic, thanks for those t-shirts. They're amazing. Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Bizek, Michelle X. I wonder who she is. Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, and Leo Stoller for your generous support of the podcast. And if you who are not on that list would like to support the show, You can share this and other episodes on social media. You can write a review on iTunes. I got some really nice reviews this week. Would you like to hear some? Of course you would. So this is by Val Ferg from the UK. I have listened to several of these podcast episodes now and have been bowled over by what I have learned. My whole perspective on changing to a plant-based way of eating is becoming clearer. Howard J. is so incisive in the way he interviews his guests. This is such a balance between intelligent, science-based information and down-to-earth guidance for everyday improvement of one's health. I can't thank you enough, Mr. Jacobson, for this consistently excellent podcast. Valferg, you already have thanked me enough with that review. Thank you so much. That helps a tremendous amount. Anthony Disson. Post a review. This has been one of the greatest podcasts I have subscribed to, and especially in the realm of plant based nutrition. Howard is fantastic, and he brings on such incredible guests like Anthony Disson, I might add. That's not him saying it, that's me. I look forward to this every week. Thanks, Anthony. You are a a light and a great support for the podcast. And someone else writes Mindquake NZ or NZ from New Zealand. Great podcast, thoughtful questions, good guests. I really enjoy this podcast. Very thoughtful questions, interesting guests, good production quality. Hmm, thank you very much. Thank you, Mindquake NZ. I always wanted to go to New Zealand. So, um, if you have any conferences or things you know of, uh, drop me a line. Brilliant interviewer says Mackenzie Peck from USA. I look forward to my walk each morning as I select my podcast and take Howard and his guest along. God, now now I understand why I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't know how to do him, Howard Jacobson, justice with my words in this review except to say brilliant. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Mackenzie Peck. That those words mean a lot to me and they will help other people find this podcast and so we can all pass it on. Thank you so much. It was great to meet so many of you this past weekend at Plant Stock at the Esselstyn Farm in upstate New York. And I have a special thanks to everyone on the fun run who made it up the hill before me. And that was pretty much everyone and cheered my labored ascent. If you haven't attended one of these Engine 2 events, definitely check out their website. I think it's engine2.com or certainly just Google Engine 2 Esselstyn and definitely try to put it on your calendar for next year. They do, they do great work. So in garden news, our brush mower is now working so we can tackle the tall grass and reclaim more planting space. We've harvested most of the winter squash and have high hopes for the sweet potatoes now that my wife Mia has finally gotten ahead of some of the weeds near those sweet potatoes. All right, that's it for this week. So as always, be well, my friends.